Alright, well, that was it. Oh, we started? Yeah, welcome to Carpe Noctum. <laughs> <Option. laughs> Thanks for the heads up, man. Welcome to this week's we, episode. How do you know we can record next time? Yeah, well... There's an ounce of spontaneity to this week's episode, I guess. Oh, is there? Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, welcome. Thank you for joining us again this week. I'm Dylan. Here with... Dylan. And, your favorite uh, Dylan. Oh, God. No. Number one Dylan over here. All right. Uh, do you not have coasters, you monster? That's what this is for. Oh, my gosh. I do, but they're on the coffee table. I don't need coasters for a dining room table. Uh, Especially not when I have this. But speaking of coasters, what are you drinking, Dylan? I'm, I'm actually, so I'm not, I don't remember all what's in here, but you made it. This is your recipe that I'm drinking. I will reveal the recipe. This is a Carpe Noctum exclusive. Right Should we here. call the drink the Carpe Noctum? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things... It does have a little bit of caffeine in it, technically, yeah. but the alcohol kind of. Like it seems it's, it does that, it does seem like a late night drink. I'm not it, gonna yes, uh, so very smooth. Some of the best cocktails ever made involve coffee and tea, in my opinion. So this one involves a tea, a strawberry tea. This one specifically is a strawberry white tea. Uh, so there's a little bit of caffeine. What white tea is the most delicate type of tea leaf? It's actually a discontinued Tivana tea. Um, it was the last one. It was the last bit that I had. So I was like, well, if, you know, whatever. Uh, but you could probably use any kind of berry tea that you would like. I just, I had this strawberry tea and that's what I went with. But uh, you do two shots of that, one shot of Midori and one shot of your favorite gin. Shake it over ice and then pour it into 12 ounce glass, 12 ounce tumbler um, and then fill it with tonic to taste, usually to the top. Um, the best garnish would be strawberries. I didn't have strawberries tonight. <laughs> I had blueberries. But either way, it's actually pretty good. It is. I like it. So this like is, it. like it, I said... It is a very good cocktail. Like, I would make this myself. Honestly. Exclusive recipe. So this is just for the Carpe Noctum listeners. Go grab um, yourself a glass of Carpe Noctum. Oh, God. <laughs> God, when you say that, it just sounds weird. Uh, okay. So I'm here. Well, I want to pick up on something we were talking about last week, very briefly, because um, it's not a very big part of tonight's episode, but you were talking about that one streaming service for video games. Uh, oh, Potentially yes. for many uh, other yeah, things yeah, yeah. as well. Uh, I have not looked into it much, which is one of the reasons why it's really not a big portion of tonight's episode. I didn't prepare it much, but I was looking <laughs> at it uh, you know, earlier today... Um, Google uh, released their new logo for what will be their streaming video game service. Oh, really? Google's doing it? Yeah, this is the first time I've I'm hearing, hearing of it, too. Huh. The Game Developer Conference in San Francisco today. Uh, and they should be talking about it more in depth tomorrow at a press event. Ooh. Yeah, so we will see what comes that's of that. It's uh, Project Stream. I don't know if that's the name or just like the... I would assume project, that's like probably the, just like the name of it. Yeah, that might just be in the internal Google, name. Google likes to name their things kind of, kind of not wonky, but just their naming conviction is a bit different than other companies. Yeah. I'd say. So we will we'll see what comes of it. Um, I'm I'm interested to see uh, probably have how Google. <laughs> I'm interested to see how Google gets on that. Uh, It'll be interesting. Yeah, because if it's like if it's if it's using an Android, which I would assume it's using Android as like its base. You can do like, especially like at least 
like phone games. I mean, but yeah, I, mean, I you wonder. Could do, you could do a lot with that. Yeah, Android based. I wonder if it is going to like spawn anywhere from like in the apps all the way to like I don't know high end console yeah, based games. Titles. So we'll have to see. It'll be um, interesting to see how they do that. Yeah, but that's that's all I had about that. Oh, okay, no, I need to look. <laughs> in, I need to look into. I'm surprised I hadn't heard about that. I'm usually like in the know when it comes to video games. Gosh, and last last week I surprised you with. Uh, Xbox putting its gaming services on Nintendo. Yeah, well, I don't follow Nintendo as much, or Xbox as well, much. Well, yeah, because you're one of those PlayStation. PC, Master Race. Well, yeah, yeah. PC uh, and, and PlayStation. PlayStation. I mean, I, do, I, I really want to get a Switch this year. I'm probably going to... So do I. I'm probably going to get one as my birthday present to me come June. Look at you. Look at me. Uh, I've been wanting one for a long time now, and like... Yeah, I have to. The, the majority, a lot of the games are like, oh, I really want to play are on Switch, like uh, Super Smash Brothers, yeah. uh, the new Mario games, Zelda, Zelda, the newest Zelda, Mario Party, yeah, like like a lot of like top tier games yeah. that I absolutely love. My friends love playing as well. Nintendo, Nintendo hands down has the best party games. Oh yeah, they have the any, best group games any, and some of the best franchises. Platform. Oh, they're. Their franchise is arguably the only thing that has kept them going this long because it's true. the Wii U was kind of a dud. It was, <laughs> but as soon as um, soon as everything, the, like the you know the the Switch came out, and I was like, I don't know about this. And I'm like, new new Zelda game, new Mario game, yeah. and I think Breath of the Wild is one of the highest rated games yeah. of all time. Yeah, like when when they come out with new games, they are one of the few companies that, I mean, Zelda and Mario are. The Godfathers of video games—they've been around for so long, yeah. and every single game they put out is just—it's good. Even when it's, it's bad, it's good. It's like, it's, like even though no the lower, the low tier like Link scenarios, head and shoulders above most video games. Mm-hmm. It blows my mind how well they can put out these IPs. Yeah, like, even the spinoffs like Mario Tennis, like Mario Golf, still hell fun. <laughs> yeah, like it doesn't make yeah. any any sense whatsoever. But it is, yeah. Yeah, they are fun to play. I remember one of my favorite things to play when I would visit my grandma as a kid. She had a Nintendo 64, and we loved playing Mario Golf. Mario Golf? It was fun. It was just fun. It was just, I don't know why. It's just those characters are just so fun. Yeah, I remember I used to play Mario Tennis all the time as well. That one was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, like, it's it's insane, like, just how well Nintendo is at making video games. Because, like, oh, yeah. We're making this thing like Nintendo. That's never gonna work, and then it does. Yeah. And you're like, how? Yeah. Uh, except for the Wii U. Wii U was. Yeah, Wii U was just kind of. Wii U was like a weird blip. Yeah. In in their deal, where like it still it sold relatively well, but yeah. it wasn't not as good as the Wii. Yeah, it wasn't not as that good great. as the Switch so far. Yeah, I think the Wii. I think it, it's probably close to like one of the best selling consoles of all time. I loved it. I, I still I, I so. still have it. It's in Pennsylvania. It's such a weird like system. Too. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I remember when I got it, uh, two thousand nine. I think it had been out for a little bit by then, um, and I like made the decision. It was that it was Christmas of that year, and it was like get the Wii or get the Xbox. It might have been two thousand eight. Might have been Christmas two thousand eight actually. And, you know, I had used the Wii because my grandmother got it almost immediately when it had come out because she, she's so funny. I don't know why. She's always been, like, a big Nintendo fan. But she got it. And That's so really cool, actually. We used it at her house, and we just really liked it. So I was like, you know, you know, it'll be a gift to me, but, like, you know, more people can probably use it. They would have games my parents would, or my, my brother or sister would actually want to play. So I'll just go ahead and get that. And I remember, like, 
Within months after that, I never, like, regretted getting the Wii, but I had wished I had gotten the Xbox 360 first because, you know, Call of Duty Modern Warfare had come out. Oh, um, yeah, that was... Modern Warfare 2 was on its way out. Those were game changers. Yeah, those were, those were a really big deal, and I was like, I don't have a console that I can play this on. And I think it come, came out for Wii, but, like... Even then, it the was, graphics, yeah. The graphics on the Wii were good for, like, you know, the... Wii Sports types games. They yeah, weren't. They, no. they were horrible. The PlayStation and Xbox were like head. Like it's yeah. part of like hardware and software. Yeah. Xbox and PlayStation outpaced the Wii. Yeah. But somehow Miles the ahead. Wii just sold and sold. It was and just sold. a fun thing, and the storage wasn't as good. I mean, the hardware wasn't anywhere near as good, but it had just a lot of fun franchise and a lot of fun games to play. So that's why I ever got it, and that's why like I was happy I ever had it, and happy I guess I still have it, even though I haven't used it in a while. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, it's be, it'll be one of those things I know I can pick up down the road and still be happy that I have and still be happy I can use, you know, oh, play yeah. Wii Sports or Wii Bowling, you know. It's always fun. Um, but I at that time, I was like, I wish I had gotten the Xbox 360 because Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Oh, yeah. Those, those were out, and I was like, oh, I God. Know, I was I the same these. way. I had a Wii, and I was like, I was having fun with the Wii, but all yeah. my friends were playing Call of Duty Modern Warfare. I'm like, yeah. oh, the next Christmas, I got it. I got okay. the I got I the Xbox. Got, I think we got the PlayStation next, or PlayStation Three. Is the next. Yeah, one we, we had the on. P, we had the PlayStation Two, and then I switched to Xbox, and I never looked back. Ooh, fun fact! I don't I don't know if you'll care about this too much, but uh, they uh, Microsoft finally announced finally Halo Master Chief Collection <laughs> is coming to PC oh really including Reach wow like all of it and it's not like a weird port like they hired uh, external companies to to port this to PC so like yeah. it's gonna come out polished and they're gonna release one game at a time to make sure each game is polished and ready to play wow and I and it's, and it's this year and it's on Steam as well. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I mean, that's really cool. Just because, like, I've always loved the idea of the Halo franchise. I myself never got into it. Mainly because I was so late to the Xbox world. I just I didn't care enough to get into it. But I remember playing it as, like, a kid on the original Xbox at, like, my friend's house. And I remember, oh, yeah. like, I wouldn't tell my mom I was playing it because it was an M game. Oh, yeah, it was, yeah. I mean, it really wasn't even that bad. It was, like, Alien it's, Blood. It's super tame compared yeah. to games. Oh, yeah. Stage. Yeah. Really So it, it almost didn't even deserve an M rating, to be honest. Honest, well, back then it was like, well, more graphic ones. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, compared, to, <laughs> compared to games these days, you know, like Gears it, of War. Yeah, or, it had nothing you know. on Gears of War and the chainsaw attachment, and it had nothing on the double, the double uh, barreled shotgun in Call yeah. of Duty: World at War. You know, battlefield or like anything like that. Yeah. So, but it's still. Uh, I remember playing it. I liked playing it, but then I just never really stuck with it. But. I think that's cool. I'm, I'm, you know, it's funny what's, the, a company that's never a part of the conversation on quite the same level as some other tech companies is Microsoft. Like, it's still, like, the most highly valued company in the world, one of the most, and Bill Gates is still one of the richest people in the world. Uh, and, but, like, when people talk about, like, privacy, when they talk about, like, upcoming events, almost always it's Google, it's Apple... Uh, even now, it's like Amazon. Yeah, you know, but like Microsoft is still kicking quiet, ass. Yeah. You know, I mean, they oh. still they still do a lot of great stuff. Satya Nadella, since he took over, who was it before him? Like Steve, oh. some guy. Yeah. He was pretty forgettable. He didn't like Satya Nadella's done a lot for Microsoft, and and you know he's he's 
to the point where he even I think just a few weeks ago there was a big article, big uh, piece written about how he like completely changed the what was a toxic work culture at Microsoft. He completely like got rid of it and he's changed. And he he put a book out a couple of years ago. I, I it's on my Amazon list. I want I want to read it just because I'm curious. But I've long been a fan of Microsoft. I, I mean, when I was a kid, I preferred PC over Mac. I, once I switched to the Xbox, I loved the Xbox. I love everything that they did with it. Uh, I love having it now. I met um, Larry Hurd, the head of the Xbox team, when the Microsoft store opened really? at Penn Square. That was a big deal for me. That's cool. That was, I mean, That's that was amazing. Actually. That was when I had just switched from being a gaming major in college. You so, were a gaming major in college? Yeah, that's why I went to OC ever. What? Yeah. I did not know that. Uh, I did not know this. That's the. I mean, it was only you for one semester. That, man. No, I mean, I wasn't an art major. It wasn't right for me. Um, but then that's what, why. What program? I well, that's the thing. This this program was more art based, and uh, then it would get into programming. And I still felt like I didn't have the creativity to create anything, even with the programming. It just wasn't right for me. But uh, you know, I never lost my you know love of. of video games and tech and so uh whenever i i saw that um the microsoft store was opening i went there on opening day it was just like a really big deal for me just because i loved that company but then i went i went back to oc it was like a saturday i think i went back to oc and then i was like on twitter and i saw larry herb tweet out that he was going to be at the store that evening and i was like oh god i gotta go back <laughs> so i went back that afternoon and met him and got a picture with him and that was super cool that was a really big deal for That's me because really, i love really that guy cool. Uh, I still, I mean, I still follow him on, oh, well, our page follows him yeah. on Twitter. And he's actually my friend on Xbox. I mean, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> I'm pretty sure, like, he accepts any, yeah, he probably has, his, like, main accounts, like, yeah. he accepts, and he has his own, like, private He has, account, like, like, special like, privacy yeah. That's settings cool. that are specific to his account. But, That's super, super cool, actually. Yeah. Yeah, no, Microsoft, they, they kill it. Like, they're, they're, they're yeah. one of the biggest, most important companies still. Some of the, it's unfortunate because some of them are more, like, some of the most prevalent tech debacles in the past 10, 20 years belong to Microsoft. And that's unfortunately how people remember them. But, like, there's so much good that outweighs that. Like, for example, like, Windows Vista was a joke. It was <laughs> horrible. Everyone makes fun of it because of just how bad it was. Um, and it was, at the time, supposed to be, like, the thing to change. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, And then it kind of happened again with Windows 8. I think Windows 8 was... A little underrated. I thought it was kind of cool, depending on what kind of computer you had. But you know that that looked bad. And then of course, um, Windows phones. I Those, I had one. I really liked it, but like it's it, just didn't, it didn't have the support. That it, it didn't. Needed. No, it didn't. You know. I mean, they still even put out a few, but that was something like Satya Nadella had kind of like steered Microsoft away from. It's like we're done with this. <laughs> <laughs> we're not gonna keep trying to do this. You know, there are two mammoths. Apple and Android, and we're, we're not going to compete, yeah. really. But, you know, the, when I had one, it was really great. The phone's features were really great. Yeah, my brother had one for a little bit. He liked it. I thought it was, like, an interesting idea. Yeah. I loved the, the live tiles. Those on the, cool. I really liked those. I, and, and, like, you think about even the way that Apple and Android have updated their phones. I mean, like, you know, you can add, like, some widgets to the background, but really... It's just tiles, you know. It's just little icons on the screen, yeah. you know. Microsoft went and did something different, something that I thought was not only more functional but even more attractive. It just so happened that, like you said, it didn't really have the support yeah. to compete on on other levels. It didn't have the apps because you had to go to yeah. the Windows Store. Yeah, which, which was horrible. Yeah, because like it was, it was for, <laughs> develop, for developers, everyone at that point was either on uh, mm -hmm. Android or iPhone, 
there's a very small percentage of people on Windows. Yeah. So, you know, the cost analysis of, like, time to put it on there, to how many people are actually going to use it, just it just wasn't there, yeah. unfortunately. They were just in the game too late. I remember in college I was using a uh, third-party Snapchat app <laughs> because there wasn't an official one yet. And I think they eventually put one on there. But I was using a third-party one. And actually, it was better. It was better than normal Snapchat, some of the features. Snapchat's the most confusing app. Snapchat is, is horse shit because, you know, their little... I, can't, I was just about to say something I would have to bleep out. Their little shitbag of a CEO <laughs> who likes to say that they like to sell the idea of Snapchat being secure and private. No. And that's a joke. I mean, they ever and now it's more public that they keep... they. They keep everything. It doesn't disappear. They keep everything. I just remember every single time I'd open the app, everything has changed. Well, yes. It was just like every yeah. other day, it was like, oh, that thing, that little button right here that you would press and do all this stuff, it's gone, and you yeah. have to go over here to do that, and then they'll just like yeah. randomly switch everything, right? like, make up your they mind. They did that last year. There was another update that everyone hated, because it was pretty horrible. Um, like, they can't, like, their, their OS, or their, like, their UI yeah. is a joke. Yeah. And then they just, like, make it worse with every single update. It yeah. blows my mind about yeah, how definitely. how bad it is. Yeah, they're, some of these tech companies just have no idea how to listen to their audience. But but anyway, um, so I was using that third-party app, and I remember getting an email saying, oh, you know, you're using a third-party app. You know, this is a warning. You have, like, a week to uh, stop using that app and start using the official app because of privacy concerns. And, like, you know, this would mean something if... You took privacy seriously, but you don't. You're talking about how all of these messages disappear, but they don't. That's the issue here. You can blame third-party apps and say, oh, it's because these apps, you know, we're not secure as long as there are third-party apps using ours. Well, like, no. It has nothing to do with third-party apps. This is you guys being horrible. <laughs> this has nothing to do with third-party apps. This is about your, your frat bro CEO lying. That's all it's about. I mean, Snapchat, like... I mean, it was originally, like, just a sexting thing. Like, everyone knows. <laughs> like, 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 okay. Like, hey, I'm going to send you a picture. You're going to be able to see it for, like, ten seconds. Then it's going to go away forever. Like, originally that idea came around. I was like, ah, sex. Oh, um, man, yeah. Like, when it's first conception, like, that's what it's, like, well, what's almost funny, designed around. What's funny is that even... dick pics. You could say that it's even more so than case now, because with Spotify Premium... Or, wow, with Snapchat <laughs> Premium. Spotify Premium? Wait, not, there's a premium for Snapchat? Yeah, there is. Oh, and, I mean, it's like to access, like, certain people's pages, they can charge you for it. Most of them are porn stars. There you go. So, they will, you, they, you know, they'll post, like, certain things on their story, and you've got to pay to see it. All right. <laughs> I don't know if that's still happening, but Jeez. that was, you know, within the last year, that was a thing. I'm pretty I sure. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel even, like that's something I should have known about. Even more reason. so, I feel like, yeah, it's pretty. That's it's insane. It's, it's convenient for sexting, you could say, yeah. but... I haven't used... I deleted my Snapchat. No. I got it's, rid of it several times. I have it again, and it's, like, the only social media thing I use. Just because it's more, like, messaging and communication than it is strictly, like, social media. Yeah. I usually use it to communicate with someone specific rather than, you know, like, on Twitter. Just See, I, never, I, I just never used it. Like, I had a group yeah. message, like, every once in a while, like, something would pop up and, like... It was really annoying because, like, in this one group, we had, like, four different, like, messaging. It was, like, Snapchat, a normal texting group, an Instagram group, and then, like, another messaging thing. I was like, no, I'm done. I was like, I'm not. Like, if you're going to send something, 
don't send it to Snapchat because I'm just I'm getting rid of it. I'm tired right. of this. I never used it. Like I never Snapchatted anyone. I know. I mean, almost everyone I know uses oh, really? it. Yeah. No one I know. Maybe they do. Like I don't use it. I don't care for it. Yeah. I in fact, getting, most of the time, I think I'm just getting old and jaded now. I mean, maybe most of the time when people ask for like some form of online communication, Snapchat it used to be Facebook. Like, hey, do you have a Facebook? Oh, now yeah. it's hey, do you have a Snapchat? People don't ask me for my information because yeah, no one they cares want, about you. Yeah, no one cares about me. They don't. They don't ever want to see me again. So yeah. they don't. They don't ask for my information. Pretty cool. Hey, speaking of Microsoft, so I guess you know they're also kind of obviously they're involved in this gamer game developers conference yeah, in San no, Francisco. I'd, I'd say that they're um, into gaming. Yeah, that makes bit, that makes a sense. Bit, just a uh, little bit of investment there. I guess this week that they're planning to reveal uh, plans to bring the Xbox Live online video game platform to Nintendo, which I told you about, but also to Apple iOS and Android devices. Oh. So it seems like what's so odd... Like they're, they're getting up, they're gearing up for their streaming service. Yeah, like, it, it seems like all this is happening, because like, I, so I, I, I've told you this, whenever it came to music streaming, I was on that, I was on that ship really early. I was using Zune in 2008, like I was... I, mean, I don't even know, yeah. Yeah, I, I was, I was is. on that, you know, and... I didn't, think, I didn't join Spotify until 2012. Yeah, it took Actually, me. No, 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 I had Pandora. Pandora, Pandora doesn't count. <laughs> I, had Pandora, I had Pandora in high school. Uh, well, whatever. If you want to count that, that's fine. Uh, but I, you know, and then of course I was a pretty early proponent of Netflix. I finally convinced my parents to get it. Um, but then this is like one of those areas that just seems like the next thing. But like I haven't thought about it much until just the last few weeks. And then last week when we talked about it, and now this week. You know, it's, Microsoft's doing this, Google's doing this, and it seems like all of this is it's suddenly... It's the year, like, the, yeah, the more and more it's like everyone's kind of getting out of it, getting into this now. Yeah, it's, it's, and it makes sense. It now, seems to yeah. be like the last bastion of, of digital uh, entertainment that isn't in some form of streaming. Is video games, yeah. yeah and so... And I think it, that, well, the technology's finally getting to the point where we can do it. Because it's, it's... Yeah, we're it's a handle lot, it. Yeah, it's a lot more complicated it. than, you know, streaming a movie or, yeah. like, a TV show. Because like, you're... One, you're just sending a signal to a TV. It's no. just like one way. The other one, you're sending a signal to have it processed and relaying that signal back to see what you're seeing. So it's yeah. like way more complicated than just movies. Yeah. So I'm glad we're finally getting to that point. And I'm, I'm excited, yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to see what, what happens at this conference this week. It'll be interesting. And if so, it'll be, it'll be really, really cool to see what happens. This is some, I mean, not super recent news, but the findings on it are becoming more and more recent. So in the last five months, uh, in the news, there were, it's pretty big news actually, uh, two 737 MAX airplanes crashed. Mm-hmm. Like, cra- catastrophic class, and there was quite a, quite a high death toll, uh, unfortunately. And Boeing, the company that made these, has been under scrutiny, as well as the FAA. And there was an article that came out two days ago that I was reading today. And boy, uh, I know the investigation is still, still preliminary and they're still going through a bunch of bunch of stuff right now. Uh, but if everything that's in this article is true, Boeing and FAA are going to be in some hot water. <laughs> very, very hot water if all of this is true. So to lead off on this, the so when the Boeing was making the 737 MAX, apparently they were competing to get it out ahead of one of their competitors' uh, planes. 
and a 737 Max was just like an upgraded version of a 737. What's, which competitor? Airbus? Uh, Airbus, yeah. It was Airbus. And so it's just the, the new 737 is just a little more fuel efficient, just a little bit better, a little bit of upgrade. And they were really pushing to get it out, and they were pushing the FAA to hurry up with the safety inspection of it. And I didn't know this, but apparently FAA can delegate uh, to Boeing for Boeing to run its own safety inspections on certain parts of the aircraft mm. to speed processes up. Uh, convenient. Uh, convenient. And one of those processes was called the MCAS. Now, the MCAS is a maneuvering characteristics augmentation system. So basically, the entire purpose of this system uh, was with the new the new engines that were on the uh 737 had problems with certain angles of attacks, like the the direction that the nose of the plane is facing to the angle of the wind, or like mm-hmm. the direction it's going. Uh, so it was designed to help keep it from stalling. So it would automatically correct the back horizontal rudder, which would uh, delegate whether the plane goes up or goes down. Right. And in the safety inspection, in everything that Boeing said that this program would do, uh, the maximum change it would make to the horizontal rudder was 0.6 degrees, uh, which is what was passed on the safety inspection. I think it was labeled as a, uh, it would give it a, a, just a lower hazard if it was a failure or anything like that. And so it allowed the pass. Uh, what Boeing didn't tell the FAA was that after the safety inspection or sometime during it, they changed that angle to 2.5 degrees. A, it doesn't sound like a whole lot of jump, but in the engineering world, when you get into physics and everything like that, that is massive. Yeah. That is that is something that you don't just, you know, oh, we'll just change that and not tell anyone. That could completely change. That honestly changes everything and should have just had to go through an entire another safety inspection after that. Also, uh, according, apparently, in the programming of this, it, was too, it could change the tail rudder. Uh, the uh, the back flaps. I don't know. Oh no, my gosh, not the back flaps. Uh, the horizontal rudder, two point five degrees every single time it was activated. So if it activated multiple times, you could get the max downward degree of angle and just force the plane into a straight nosedive, <laughs> which is possible. Which is a possibility of what happened to those two flights, right? Because uh, it would just keep activating. And then also for some reason, this entire system, this entire uh, program was uh, triggered by one sensor at the very front of the plane that measured the angle of the attack. Now, there were two sensors available that they could read from, but for some reason, they only did one. So it wasn't a redundant system at all, and it relied on a single sensor. It didn't have any, like, feedback or anything like that. Mm. Also, in the plane, uh, apparently, there was no, like, indication that the system was being activated. The pilots didn't even know the system existed. Uh, as far as training goes, to switch the pilots from the old 730s to 7, 737s to the new ones, one pilot said that their training consisted of about one hour on an iPad with no in-flight simulation, and they weren't told that the MCAS system even existed on the airplane. I remember reading about that. The, uh, they, one of the pi- when a pilot was talking about the flight manual and how it was almost what was the phrase he used criminally negligible the amount of the lack of instruction that was in the uh, flight manual something to that effect so it was criminal how little instruction there was <laughs> so it should have been uh so apparently uh one of so the one sensor was dictated by the hazard the hazard uh level and it's because the way that they had 
So the safety factor is like 0.6, it has lower, lower hazard level, so I only need one sensor. But with like the increase in the changes they made, it bumped it up so that uh, it, the original one, it, could allow, like, it was allowed to fail one in 100,000 times. But the new one, it should have only been allowed to fail one every 10 million times, which would have forced them to put in two sensors. Uh, they had two sensors there anyways, but for some reason only wanted to use one. So the entire thing, the FAA delegating Boeing to do their own safety inspection on this new system that they're putting in, Boeing changing this, changing some of the specs of the programming, not telling the pilots it existed, and not training the pilots on it, and then having a faulty system at that just blows my mind. Yeah. It like it, So I work, I am an engineer, and I work in the aerospace sector. And this whole thing is just <laughs> a clusterfuck. Yeah. I, do, I, I don't understand. It was just such a negligence yeah. on so many people's parts. Yeah, see, that, that's what's funny. What comes of this, the, there'll be like a couple Senate hearings of the FF, FAA. Maybe the director will resign, but that, that'll be it with the FAA. It's a government agency. Nothing's really going to happen with them. Boeing probably will get sued for criminal negligence. Probably will settle out of court, and then everyone will pretty much just forget about this in a matter of months, following any kind of. I w- I wouldn't lawsuit. doubt if in colleges like this example is brought up as well. I hope so. Like, yeah, I, this is a yeah a, a perfect example of engineering negligence. Yeah, absolutely. Like it I is would, yeah. like, to the book of how you do not handle these kind of situations. How you do yeah. not. You know, handle safety inspections and take safety and these kind of things that lightly. Yeah. Because two planes crashed and, you know, over 150 people lost their lives. Uh, so it really kind of pisses me off. Yeah. Uh, what, I, what I thought was interesting, so, you know, several countries banned that aircraft from their airspace. The United States was one of the last ones to do it. But then as soon as, uh, shortly after the, tr- Trump, the Trump administration signed the executive order... The FAA was like, there's absolutely no reason to do this. And on the one hand, I was like, you know, that probably makes sense because uh, right now they're just appeasing people's fears. Uh, statistically, the statistical likelihood of you of one of those aircrafts going down again is probably pretty small com- considering how many aircrafts are in the air at any given moment. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, you know, this is a specific aircraft. After investigating, there seems to be a very clear problem that is specific to this type of aircraft. So, uh, you know, banning them from airspace seems like, even in the FAA's word, shortly after it happened, seemed to be uh, excessive. But at the same time, especially with this investigation occurring, clearly there was some pretty serious negligence here. So this is all still kind of preliminary. So this is kind of due to change. But if, and what it looks like, it sounds like from this article that they kind of cooperated and talked to some engineers and whatnot anonymously. Uh... Yeah, that's a pretty big issue. And apparently Boeing has already talked about basically just doing some software updates of like reprogramming this like the system to be clear, letting the pilots know it exists and what to do in case of a failure of this system. Yeah. Uh, apparently it was like right after they took off as well, I think, that the, the, the system failed. Now I do think, I think like the, because when I first heard it, that uh, the FAA or like Canada was like grounding all of 737 MAXs. And people are tweeting at Southwest is like, if you don't ground them, like I'm just gonna straight up cancel my flight. I thought it was it was Wait, a Southwest. Southwest. 
Southwest. Southwest was one of the first people to buy the 737 Maxes. Like they were first on were the they? list to get there. Yeah. I thought the I thought Southwest only flew 757s. No, I'm pretty sure because according to this article, Southwest was like one of the first people in line to get the 737. Maxes. Or maybe it was the thir- 737, and then they wanted the new yeah, 737. Yeah, that would make more sense. Oh, it is 737. Yeah. So Southwest was like okay. on the first one. Like yeah, were, I know that's that's like yeah. core to Southwest business model is that they only have the one type of plane because it cuts down on on maintenance costs because yeah. they only have to yeah have the maintenance one train. one plane yeah so they were like so, first okay, in line that makes sense so, right. yeah they were first in line to get these new planes unfortunate for them Jeez, yeah I was gonna say that's that not really <laughs> sucks for them um, well what's funny is that a single Southwest flight hasn't gone down it was yeah. Lions Air and Ethiopian Air lines. yeah. So this other thing, so I think hasn't American said. pilots, as far as I know, probably one of the more better, one of the more well-trained pilots, probably mm-hmm. you can do. So I think it was a bit, I think, of a hysteria that FAA was yeah. like, "All right, we got on the plans." Because in my head, I was like, "All right, two planes have crashed. We don't fully know the circumstances. I think it's a bit much to do that." It's also non, like non-American airlines. Yeah, uh, F, like American airlines are much much better about like procedures and whatnot. I think better pilots as well. Uh, and especially now that we know what's going on and the possible causes, within a few months or like however long it takes Boeing to push out these software updates and you know some tr- pilot trains, seven thirty seven max will be fine by the end of the year. Right. Yeah. Like sure. so, like relatively short amount of time. But this this calls to mind something else, and I just kind of, you know made me pivot to the ethics of this. Um, and and in a little bit, I'll, we'll, I'm going to show it to you, and I can play some of the audio. Uh, but this reminds me of a debate between uh, Nobel Peace Prize winner Milton Friedman and a young Michael Moore, actually. They were talking about a risk involving a Ford car at the time. This was in the 60s, I want to say. And apparently it had come to light, like there was a problem where if this specific vehicle was hit from behind... It would like ignite the gas tank. It would, it would oh, it was, a, it was like the Pinto, wasn't yeah, it? Something, yeah, something like that. Yeah, it, I remember. Um, yeah. And apparently the fix for it was like a $13 piece of plastic or something that could be like put in somewhere in the car to prevent it from happening. And, you know, so Michael Moore, obviously he was on this using it as like an example of corporate greed, running amok and complete negligence on behalf of Ford. And like on the surface level, I feel like, you know, yeah, 13 more dollars, you should have. You should have jumped. You should have done that. But Milton Friedman asked him, well, what if the piece cost a million dollars? And from there, he just kind of like destroyed Michael Moore's arguments. I have just one more. This has to do with the the Ford Pinto. I'm not sure if you're aware of the recent revelations that have come out about the production of that car. Ford produced it knowing full well that in any rear-end collision, the gas tank would blow up because they had failed to install a $13 plastic block in front of the gas tank. And Ford estimated in an internal memo that that would cost about 200 lives a year. And they estimated further that the cost of each life would be $200,000. They multiplied and they found that the cost of installing those blocks in each of the cars would be more than the cost of saving those 200 lives. And over the past seven years, the car has been produced and over a thousand lives have been lost. It seems to me that Ford did what would be the right thing according to your policy. And yet that seems to me to be very wrong. Well, let me ask you, let's suppose it would have cost a billion dollars per person. Should Ford have put a million nonetheless? 
See, but you're it really only question you know that, that. you're really only arguing about price. The print you're not arguing about principle. You're no 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 because you Principles cannot. Nobody can take the principle. Nobody can accept the principle that the, that an infinite value should be put on an individual life. Because in order to get the money involved, in order to get the resources involved, it's not money. In order to get the resources, they have to come from somewhere. And you want the policy which is maximizes the situation overall. You cannot accept a situation that a million people should starve in order to provide one person with a car that is completely safe. That's absolutely right. Right. Advantages and therefore, you're not arguing anything about principle. You're just asking, you're just arguing whether Ford used $200,000 was the right number or not. I, I find that to be, it, honestly, just incredible on Milton Freeman's part. I'm a huge fan of him, I, you know. And, and I, you know, this, someone, my, a critic of this situation might look at this and be like, oh, that's just libertarians arguing for those damn businesses. You know what? The thing is, at the end of the day, there's risk in every single thing we do. No matter how well a car is made, every single time you get in it, there's a risk. Okay. Every single time I get into my Toyota and go out on the road, I could die. Anytime I get onto a plane, that plane could go down. Anytime I get onto a bus, a public uh, train, anything like that, there's always risk that something is going to go wrong. We accept that risk, usually at the price of the convenience. I get in that car because although it's statistically more dangerous than me walking, it's going to get me there a hell of a lot faster. I get onto that plane because it's going to get me there faster. It's going to get me there faster than driving, and statistically actually flying a plane is safer than driving a car. But then it's also going to get me there a lot faster than walking, which might be safer, but is obviously going to take a ridiculous amount of time. pretty sure walking is actually the most dangerous of those options. No, I don't think it is. I thought drive, driving is. I'm pretty sure walking is A million dangerous. people in the entire world die every year from car accidents. Uh, for some reason in my head, like, I'm like... I'm pretty sure walking is more dangerous than flying. All right, well, we'll fact check that. Well, fact check. I'm, I'm, pr pretty, I'm sure walking, pretty sure. I, I feel like I'm, walking's pretty damn dangerous. Well, I mean, it can be, and sometimes it's because there's a car involved and the car hits you. Yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, sure. You know, I'm that, safer in a car than I am. Maybe, I am yeah. Walking. But either way, you know, we we do these things in our modern society to usually for the convenience, you know. And Boeing, obviously, this was negligence, and there are problems with that. But on the other hand. Those people got on that flight knowing that it's potential that that plane could have gone down. Now, unfortunately, it was because of negligence on Boeing's part, allegedly, it seems, allegedly that it went down. Just pure negligence. Yeah, but, but I also, I'm curious if this type of argument might float in court, because this is, this is probably going to turn into a lawsuit, a class action lawsuit. Uh, I'm just curious uh, if this type of argument is deployed and whether or not this type of argument is entirely wrong. Because if you are arguing principle and you're arguing about what dollar amount could Boeing have spent to prevent this from happening, whether it was one dollar or a billion dollars, the money shouldn't matter technically if you're arguing for principle. But no matter what, there's going to be risk whenever you choose to hell leave oh, your house yeah. you know and do anything you know this like this is one of the things that like as an engineer you you kind of keep it's kind of in the back of your mind you don't want to think about it but i know like anytime you're like uh working on something or like designing something or whatnot and back of your head, you're like you know if this goes wrong if i have my calculations are off if i mess something up or if we do something you know you're building this product that you do your due diligence like the greatest one of the greatest fears i have honestly is i design something and it goes through and it you know it's cleared or whatnot and it ends up being a fault and it costs people lives that is like that is one of my absolute greatest fears and engineering 
like my entire ethics course in engineering. It was about one semester. It was one. It, it was once a week, and we kind of talked about ethics. Thankfully, like a lot of the people that I, I was there with, a lot of you know, we, uh, I knew we all had very good just moral ethics in general. Like the way we were grown up, grown up, the way we were taught, the way you know. We view the world, I try to be very ethical in what I do. It's not always the case with a lot of people. Sure. And I think there's been a little bit of push for just a better ethics course when it comes to engineering, where it's not, you know, when people simply aren't just like a number, like, oh, what is an acceptable loss? Right. It is, you know, you view them as people, you view, you know, in ethics. Sure. And it is, it's not easy. Like engineering, yeah. engineering and ethics are, are very, very complicated situation yeah i mean and, and that could be said of of any field of ethics certainly when it comes to something like engineering and you're building something that yeah, where you're building a to, bridge or like an yeah. airplane it's just the ethics, that's certainly important you know in generalism it's like ethics all this could you know yeah it could potentially be harmful you know it could ruin someone's life engineering you know, if i don't build this bridge right, right. hundreds of people could die so right. it just kind of takes that that level of you know doom or like you know what could go wrong yeah and it's just it's far far greater than most than most other disciplines unfortunately and 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 that's the thing i mean as with the ethics in any field i mean there really isn't like a clean clear-cut answer you know and you know in the case of ford's pinto like obviously i'm not going to defend ford uh at the very least they could have been more public about it um but on the other hand i empathize with Milton Friedman's argument because if you're making it about principle there is the kind of argument and this you know starts to fall into the field of ethics where what is the proper dollar amount you should be spending to make something safer versus the market forces of what people are willing to pay versus what it's costing you as a for-profit company and all of that kind of being balanced on the scale of risk everyday the risk the acceptable risk level. yeah so and you know obviously it's like a very nuanced it's going to depend on pretty much every single specific thing of any set of circumstances but uh you know i still don't necessarily have to agree with ford's decision but i empathize with that type of argument and i can empathize with that type of argument on uh, uh in boeing's case i still again wouldn't defend Boeing. No, I wouldn't. In either. that case, but I would no, empathize no. with that argument, and you know, it it certainly is a uh, when it comes to the the ethics of it, it's very challenging. It's very sickening even to think of these lives that were lost in something that could have and should have been prevented. But then again, we can say that after every single tragedy, it could have, should have been prevented, mm-hmm. and um, you know, it wasn't, and so now. The first question is, well, how can we stop it from happening again? Um, but while that is a worthy battle, again, to some extent, like, you can never remove the risk from everything. You know, planes are always going to crash. Yeah. Cars are going to malfunction. Regardless of what Things type of regulation is put in place. Is, we don't. Unfortunately, like, the plans might be fine. You know, it would have been tested fine, but something happens in the manufacturing line and faulty products get sent out. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, some information was not known at the time that a certain, you know, if you did this, this, and this, then this result happens like 10 years down the road after a while. So it's, it's hard. It's very hard to test. You can't test for everything. Yeah. You just have to say, yes, we are confident that this will be safe enough. Yes. And that right there, safe enough. And that, that's like, just that's, like, huh. That's the hard part. Is yeah. what, like, what's safe enough? Like, what yeah. 
what is good enough? I know there's that old poem, you know, it basically says, with, with good enough, ship sinks, countries collapse, with good enough, you know, morals fail. But unfortunately, in, you know, good enough is all we can do as humans. Like, we're never going to be, like, we're not. We're not going to be perfect. We can, we can do as best as we can, but at the end of the day, sometimes that's it's, just has to yeah. be good enough because we're not going to get any better. That reminds me of something my professor always used to say to me, uh, better is the enemy of done. Uh, a little bit more lighthearted way of saying what you said, but, you know, you can always try and make something better, but eventually there's a deadline, you got to meet it, so better is the enemy of done. <laughs> uh, transition to something a little more lighthearted. First off, as of an hour ago... HBO's The Inventor is now streaming. It aired ah. an hour ago on HBO. It's probably playing right now um, live, but, you know, who does that anymore? Uh, on HBO Now and HBO Go, it is now available for streaming as of an hour ago, 9 p.m. Eastern. I am going to watch it tonight and uh, chime in a little bit next week about it, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm super excited. Did you get a chance to start listening? I started listening to the podcast. I didn't like it. So What? Okay. So the reason I did it wasn't the content. It was like the way they're going about telling it. Because like, oh, we're going to interview someone. This is so-and-so. They came in with bleach blonde hair and a scour look on their face. And it's a, it's that like, type of like storytelling I, journalism. I hate that. Oh I don't God. like it. Because like, when I want to hear an interview, I don't. I do not care what the person looks like. Okay, but like I feel like... I want to so know like their background, yeah. but Last week, you recommended The Butterfly Effect to me. Mm-hmm. Which I listened to the entire thing this past week. And I loved it. But that type of storytelling journalism is the exact yeah, type in the dropout. I don't know what it was. It was just like it was just annoying me. I was like, I, I think it was just like the difference. I don't I don't know what it was. It was it was something the way they were going about it. I was like, I don't care. I just want to hear Oh, whatever. I think it was because how far did you get into it? A couple minutes. Well, what the <laughs> hell? What? You gotta listen to more I'll try, than that. I'll try, it again. I'll try it again this week and I'll let you know. No, listen to at least a full episode. At least do a full episode. At least one all right, all full right. episode. I listened to yours. It was great. John Ronson has a ridiculously creepy voice. I know he's a Welsh journalist, so he has that <laughs> accent, but it's somewhere between sophisticated and creepy. And some of the words he would say, the way he would say the word porn, just yeah. gave porn. me the heat. Porn! It just, porn! It just, you know, he gave porn. me the heebie-jeebies. Oh, but, yeah, it is, it's like, the jail is here talking about the porn. The <laughs> Some no. porn people. <laughs> porn he always called them porn people, too. Porn uh, Danny and California Valley, we're talking to some porn stars. Yes. Oh my God. Uh, and, and great, like podcast. very great podcast. Unrelated. Uh, well, I mean, unrelated to him specifically. I know it's just like a uh, a type of euphemism, a type of phrase that is common within the porn industry. No, within within his area, within his geographic world. But I I hate when people say this individual is called this you're called dylan well you're called dylan because that's your name so it's more appropriate to say your name is dylan your name's dylan this is dylan this is dylan his name is dylan when you say oh he's called this it's like this is his title or this is like his street name or nickname he's called this and and you know that's not specific to john ronson it's pretty specific just the way that people in the uk talk but like i I don't care it's still annoying because it's like to me it just it's not accurate (laughs) <laughs> They're called that for a reason. It's because it's their name. So you can say their name. Anyway, uh, <laughs> moving on. 
some some great news this past week. This is I'm reading from uh, the Oklahoma Gazette, but I'm pretty sure this was reported through a number of other mediums. Uh, so you know our new governor Kevin Stitt. Uh, one of the things he said very famously last year on the campaign trail was he wants to run Oklahoma like a business. He is turning in his inaugural address, I remember listening to it, he said, we're going to turn Oklahoma into a top ten state. Good well, right, well, yeah, well, right now the only thing Oklahoma is number one in is mass incarceration. So, But this past week, uh, we became a top ten state in a couple of other areas. Guess what they are? Ooh, ooh. Uh, drug abuse? Uh, no. <laughs> Alcohol abuse. I mean, those are probably up there. Those are probably our Violent already. crimes. It, it, it made the worst list for online dating. Hey, I'm experiencing <laughs> that. I agree. Being a woman. Ooh, that's rough. Have you had experience in that? I have not. <laughs> and mental health for teenagers and children. Look at us. What a great state. Look at us go. Yeah, so the All Home Connections ranked Oklahoma, ranked Oklahoma as the 10th worst state for online dating. Uh, and they kind of uh, learned that why? through OkCupid. Within the report, Oklahoma ranked ninth. For, I'm sorry, no, it doesn't say why. Maybe it probably does in the report. Dang, I right know. now, it doesn't. Uh, but then it also ranked ninth in regard to violence and communicable diseases. Uh, that's also kind of affected where it is in the online dating world. Uh, and then, of course, it was twelfth worst for demographics, including gender balance, percentage of singles, percentage of bachelor degrees. Median earnings and unemployment rate. And, of course, it was the 16th worst for opportunity, people with internet connections and interest in online dating. The second one, the second one about the uh, being a woman, uh, that comes from Wallet Hub, a report from Wallet Hub. What? I don't know. Where's Wallet Hub? Um, Wallet Hub, I mean, it's, it's an organization, but it said it was the sixth worst state for women. Does it say like, why? Like to live. <laughs> why? It was ranked as ninth worst state for women's economic and social well-being and second worst for women's health and safety. And I don't know if it mentions I can't really hear, like, statistics on this. I'm curious. Well, I, I, I know this. I don't know if it says it here, but it also... Um, women, we also have a very high rate for incarceration for women. Huh. We're one of the top states for that. And then, of course, um, Oklahoma nearly tops the list of worst states for teenage and child mental health. And this mm-hmm. comes from research published... In the Journal of the American Medical Association of Pediatrics. You want to hear probably what, what state probably tops? Alaska. Yeah! <laughs> Guarantee. I'm it's, sure. It's, it's, as far as like mental health for teenagers, it's, it's spot on probably number one or number two. I mean, that wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> oh my gosh. I guarantee it. Oh, mental health. Like, it's just, it's a rough place to live sometimes. Yeah, I Back mean, in Alaska. You're the product of being raised in I am. Alaska. I am. Like so. I, I love. It. I love this state. It's gorgeous. Like there's just. It's beautiful. Uh, I like. I love Alaska. I absolutely will, like. We'll go back one day. But man, it's got some. It's got some. <laughs> <stuff>. <laughs> it does have. It does have its issues. There's actually. I think. Uh, I just saw recently. Uh, uh, someone that we went to college with, uh, Hannah Morton, got a job up in Alaska at nursing at the Alaska Native Hospital. Man, good luck to her. I was gonna say, uh, uh it, Native hospitals not known for being great. Yeah, it, it's not. It's just I don't know. That's a whole another topic. It's a whole another conversation about the Native Alaskans. Like, maybe we'll, we'll, maybe we'll, next week, <laughs> some other day. It's not. It's not a great situation no. out there. That's that's just. We'll leave it at that. 
All right, well, I will start uh, best and worst of the week. I'll start with worst so we can finish on a positive note. Okay. Uh, my worst of the week. First off, this just happened yesterday. i tell you what. If there is a group of people that can make me adamantly defend liberal politicians, it's conservative politicians. <laughs> I, in, in one of them, the, the stupidest things I've seen from a political Twitter account. Yesterday was St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. So what does the GOP, the official GOP Twitter page tweet out? They tweet out Beto O'Rourke's mugshot from when he was arrested for DUI many years ago. And they say, on this St. Patty's Day, a special special message from noted Irishman Robert Francis O'Rourke. It has his mugshot, a picture of a green top hat on, and says, please drink responsibly. Fuck you. (laughs) You know what? I mean, you want to pull shit like that. You know, the number of of conservative politicians arrested for DUI. Most recently, Matt Gaetz out of Florida. That guy's a scumbag. But then you also have George Bush was arrested like three different times for DUIs when he was in college. Like, this is such nonsense. This is just an absurd thing to tweet like what is what are you trying to do are you trying to be funny because it's not funny it's not really all that funny what are you trying to do embarrass them well now you just look like an ass so why'd you do it i just it just i saw that and i just immediately hardcore eye roll nonsense another reason i don't get on twitter <laughs> that whole rant right there and uh okay, and second worst of the week another tweet uh comes from caleb Two. yeah comes oh, from boy. caleb hall um He's a conservative, like, pundit. I don't even know exactly, like, who he writes for or where he talks. He's a conservative pundit. That's really all I can say. But again, I will say, the only people who can get me defend liberal politicians, specifically Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the only people that can make me defend someone like her, who I so obviously disagree with on so many things, is a conservative pundit. They, uh, this guy, Caleb Hall, took a a video of, um... You know, she does these, uh, like, live Instagram videos, like, all the time. Like, almost every week. Like, while she's, like, cooking dinner. And that's one of the reasons millennials love her. Because they can just, like, join her while she's cooking. Yeah. yeah. Uh, And she just, like, talks and answers questions and stuff. And, like, on the one hand, it's like, you know, it's It's a great way to talk to millennials. You know, it's kind of your base. So it makes sense for you to do that. Uh, But Caleb Paul took this bit of one of her videos... And made fun of her for complaining about, quote, working all the time, unquote. And we will, we'll listen to her. It's 30 seconds. We'll listen to her say it and kind of talk about it. Okay, guys, I'm just getting out of work. That's my office behind me. Um, The thing they don't tell you about working in Congress is that if you do what you're supposed to do, you're working all the time, which means that you have no time to like set up your life. So I spent weeks sleeping on an air mattress and I don't own a chair. So I'm going to try to do that. So, you know, yes, she complained about working all the time. Everybody complains about working. Exactly. She's no different from anyone else, specifically (laughs) in our generation, but even like older people talking about how they work all the time. But you know what? That right there, I feel like it's pretty... Specific to our generation, a lot of people our age have moved somewhere without having anything set up. They get oh, yeah. they get put into a new job immediately, and they don't really have time to get their my, personal life in order. My first two months here, I was sleeping on an air mattress in a spare room that my friend had. 
Yeah, like I, I, I that was for like two months. Yeah, when I moved when I moved here, I luckily you know had a girlfriend who was here that I stayed with most of the time. But like when I wasn't there, I had an air mattress in a room I was renting. You know, like yeah, that's that's what you have like, to do. I sometimes. had and the amount of clothes I had was like I had like, a, like some jeans and t shirts, and then you know the few clothes I had that I could go wear to work. And then, like, all my stuff was, like, it was kind of scattered everywhere. Yeah. I didn't, like, it was at my grandma's house. It was in the storage unit. Like, for, like, two months, I just kind of, like, got by on whatever clothes I had on my back and my work clothes in an air mattress. And that right there is okay to be, to complain about, to be like, this it was something sucks. I had to do and it sucked, it's you know? fun. So, why, I, why are they, why are they trying to make fun of Alexandria Custer Cortez for this? There's, there's they, no reason for it. If anything, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, I get it. Like, she yeah, understands my plight. Exactly. Like, wow, yeah, finally, that. a public figure that I get. Like, this is why people in our generation are attracted to her. Like, oh, yeah. Because she, we feel like we're the same. We relate to her. She's not some ridiculous elitist from some wealthy family who's never had to worry about this type of stuff. You know, I know what it's like to move somewhere and not have a chair. Or to not have a bed. Oh, dude, I didn't you know? Have, when I first moved my, 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 actually finally got my own apartment, uh, I had um, had my mattress, which I had fun, like, I think we picked up in my grandma's house, uh, and I had a fold-out table to put my computer on, and a foldable chair that I just picked up at Walmart. Yeah. Like, that was all the furniture I had. Yeah. Like, that was it. Yeah. And that's, it sucks. You gotta do it, and yeah. you do it, but... That it's completely normal for that to be something like oh that you know I haven't had time to put my life together and that kind of sucks that yeah that's one so like of all the things you can attack her on all of her ridiculous meaningless senseless policies you want to kind of hit that I don't like working kind of stereotype that people apply to young socialists and you do this it's not you look like an idiot now once again yeah <laughs> damn conservatives. Making me side with the damn socialists. Anyway. <laughs> Alright, those are my worst. Okay. my Okay, so my worst is... It's just kind of not... It makes me sad. So... <laughs> well, it, not like sad, sad. Okay, I was like, bummed. is this about to get heavy? No, or? I'm just like, okay. really, just kind of like bombed. So, uh, uh, this Saturday, I went to... We have Oklahoma. It's called Hurt on Her. Where they yes. close off some of the streets, and they just have like a bunch of food trucks, and like live music, and like performers... Kind of like a like a mini festival on yeah. like once like every once in a while. It's actually really cool. Like food trucks were like really really good. You know, go with your friends, have some fun. And uh, this weekend, while I was there, one of the animal shelters was there, and they had brought just like all oh, like these puppies and these no. dogs, <laughs> and they were like adopt a dog. Yeah. And there was one dog. Uh, he was two years old. His name was Alfie. Alfie. And I want I wanted to take him home mm. so. Badly, like, like I was like, I looked at all the dogs. I saw Alfie. I was just like, Alfie, I want you. Oh. <laughs> I can't. I don't oh. have time for a dog. Man, that sucks. So like, I was just kind of bummed like the rest of the day because I was like, I would love oh, if you wow. got a dog. You could, too. you could bring him over and have him meet talking to him. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll do some like hardcore research. Like, can I like, yeah. like logistically? Because apparently like, he was already he was already like crate broken. He was already like house trained. Uh, Man, I was just like I'm here. Like, all no. my, like, I was taking like all my effort not to just be like give him to me. Just, yeah. just, just give him to me. You could get an older dog, <sighs> one that is already trained, but then also has like I, less energy. Yeah. So I thought about adopting about like because what they do they have programs to adopt retired greyhounds, yeah. like, greyhound racing dogs. And apparently, like, they're, they're usually pretty used to, like, kind of being crated up because they're being, you know, they're traveling around a lot. 
And except for like racing, they're pretty. Apparently, they're really good apartment dogs. Like they're really chill. They just kind of like lay around, yeah. and then you know they have spurts of energy, and then they're just kind of like you know it's very chill. So I yeah. thought about like adopting like an older, like retired greyhound. That's funny. One of the one of the adoption event I was volunteering at uh, in the fall last year with the Humane Society. While we were there, there was also like this it was it was like some greyhound society of oklahoma something like that yeah that's one of them yeah, yeah they were like they had like 10 greyhounds there to adopt yeah <laughs> and i was just like this is it just it was just funny that they had they were specifically for greyhounds and they were only servicing greyhounds but i just thought it was really funny but i've always thought greyhounds look so odd they are they're very odd looking yeah dog. but you know but they're also racing like, really I guess. like they're, they're adorable in yeah. like their own kind of way. Yeah. So yeah, that, my, that was my worst. Movie. It was just like, it was, I was like, I fell for this doll. And I was like, oh, I, I want you, I want that dog. Yeah. And I couldn't. All right. Well, we'll let's focus on the good. What's your best in the week? My best of the week. So uh, oh. <laughs> I successfully set up my friend on a date with another friend of mine. Whoa. Hey, look at me. Look at you. Well, like, they're, they're playing, like I've set them up, like they're talking and they're playing and like, going on a date. Like, so oh, they okay. have more time. They're both okay. really busy. Uh, oh yeah. No, That's no, the like legitimately, like, uh, yeah, friends, sure. like his company like laid off like a majority of his section, so he's having to pick up all the work of all those people that are gone. Oh. And my other friend just started her job last week, and so she's getting the swing of things. Hmm. But in the next week or two, like they're they're gonna go on a date. How so exciting. it's great news for them. Not for you. Not for me. Are you still looking for someone? <laughs> <laughs> Worst date for online dating. Yeah. Uh, okay, so my best, you might have even heard about this. This is uh, New York's um, newest state chess champion. Oh. Do you hear about it? Um, an eight-year-old refugee boy from wow. Nigeria. That's amazing. He is homeless. He learned chess from a uh, like a part-time chess teacher, which I didn't know it was a thing. But at uh, PS116 in New York, he learned from that person. From that part-time chess teacher, and uh, he eventually just got really great at it, and uh, he became the state championship. That's Cha- really cool. Stamp cha- state champion. So yeah, a homeless eight-year-old Nigerian kid. That's super cool. Yeah. Actually, so the the state championship for chess here, uh, his his parents actually own a restaurant near where I work called Fusion Kitchen, and they're they're both originally from India. Yeah. So they moved to they moved to America here. And their son is like the state champ. I think he. I want to say he won. Yeah, the state championship for chess. Like he's really, really good at chess. They have like that chess set that like he won. And they also make amazing food. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. No, that's really cool. That's really cool. That when was that. that's amazing. when was it here? I don't know. Not okay. Not too long ago. Not too long. Because I this this story in the New York Times was just like a few days ago, but I don't actually know when the. When the state championship itself was, but either way, I thought uh, I thought that was really cool. And someone, once I saw that someone had tweeted the link, um, uh, you know, and and this is part of a, a larger conversation. But he said, you know, this eight-year-old boy is a reminder that talent is universal, even if opportunity is not. Uh, and that was especially relevant given last week's uh, revelation that a number of famous and rich people were buying <laughs> their kids' way into college. Into college. Um, you know, this kid being homeless, being a refugee, he still has the talent to make a name for himself in a pretty impressive and ridiculous way. So, uh, you know, yeah, that was that was pretty powerful. Amazing. Yeah. 
Chess is what, like, I like chess, and it's one of those things where, like, not a lot of people are into it. Like, everyone knows what it is. No. Not everyone knows to play it, but when, like, you hear someone say, ah, this person won a chess championship. Yeah. Everyone, like, universe is like, wow. Yeah. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah. Regardless of how much we play chess or know about chess, yeah. we know is a very, very difficult game to yeah. master. Yeah. And some, like, it's I'm horrible at it. Amazing minds. <laughs> amazing str- yeah. strategic minds to play the game. You know, it's and so funny. you hear something like, ah, oh, yes, I want a chess championship. you be like, wow. Yeah. That's really impressive. Yeah. You know, I bet 10-year-old me could probably beat me now. Because when I was younger, <laughs> I played pretty often. I did I played with my mom. I played with some close <laughs> friends. Um, but, like, you know, I played probably once in the last decade, and it was just a f- couple months ago with a friend. We should play chess. We should play chess. We should play chess. We should get a chess board and play some chess. I have one over there. I mean, oh, we'll can... have to play that next week. Yeah. Or sometime this week. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll live stream the game to our, to our audience. Oh, yeah. It's exciting. <laughs> there was actually... On Watch Twitch. Dylan and Dylan <laughs> play chess live <laughs> while, while drinking excessive amounts of alcohol. One of the things trending on uh, Twitch the other day, though, was a chess championship. Was it? Yeah. I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, that is cool. Uh, okay. It's, 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 it's not exactly an exciting thing to watch. No. But, like, if you know what's going on, I'm pretty sure you're like, oh, like, that's, like, oh, yeah. he did that, and he did that, and he countered with this. Yeah. Uh, like, like, Especially so, if you yourself, like, a really yeah. good chess player, because like, you could be like, oh, yeah, I didn't even think of that, or, wow, so, that was stupid. Like, <laughs> a good example, it's, like, one of the animes I watch. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Anime. All right. Um, I hate <laughs> uh, March comes in like a line. It's about a, uh, a shogi prodigy. It's, like, it's, it's like a Japanese version of chess. Mm-hmm. Where it's like very strategic, like very very difficult to master. Like people who are masters, like like renowned in Japan, and like that's like their professions. They're professional players. But like they 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 tell the games in such a way, or like they show the games in such a way. I was like enthralled. I'm like like what's gonna happen? Like what what moves he gonna do? Mm-hmm. It was really impressive, and like you learn a lot. <laughs> like the way they did it was like it was so cool because like in reality it's just old men, like old two people just. Right, moving a couple of pieces. Like, and just thinking for a long time, but the way they portrayed it was like, oh, like what's gonna happen? Like, who's he gonna win? Wow. Well, uh, so if, you, if you ever want to, like, get into anime, if you like anime, Mars Comes In Like a Line is number one on my list. Okay, it's well, no one cares one. about that. Uh, uh, well, <laughs> fair enough. We'll, uh, we'll call it quits this week before you get off on some uh, some rambling uh, nonsense uh, about yeah, anime. Yeah, okay. Uh, all right. Next uh, week, anime anime themed week coming straight for me next week. Don't listen to him. Please still listen next week. It won't be about. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Have a great week. All right, y'all. Have a great one. Carpe Noctum is a production by Amateurs, hosted by Dylan Shoop and Dylan Kiefer. Quick thanks to bensound.com for our theme music. Join us again next time.